0: It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. What do you think about when you think about Johnny Manziel?
1: Bus. <laughs> bus, period. One word, bus. I don't, man, That's all I think about. Bus. There's been so many bus, though, like Courtney Brown. He's or... the biggest. Johnny Manziel is the biggest bus we ever had in Cleveland Browns history, period. Honestly, he had some problems in his past, maybe, that caught up with him. Yeah, he was living a little too fast. Plus, he was already rich, so he really didn't
2: grasp the fact of, you that's know silly. what I'm saying? Honestly, that guy summed up the Johnny Manziel experience better than I ever could have. Heading into the 2014 NFL draft, there was a lot of, um, Browns fans who were pretty gung-ho about
0: drafting the, uh, troubled quarterback out of Texas A&M. I was at the Roxino, and I remember watching him get drafted. I was in hell because I watched this crowd of meatheads erupt can't state we churned out Johnny Manziel's like nobody's business. I also know our tendency to get carried away and want to make quick fixes and get carried up in the hype and whatnot. And just watching almost everybody in that casino explode in excitement while I was just going like this. Most people with football sense looked at that and saw what was coming, not just with his the fact that he was the size of a toddler, which doesn't help at an NFL level. So I saw them draft Johnny Manziel. I knew we were doomed. Doomed is a strong but accurate word. And believe it or not, the Johnny Manziel
2: pick arguably wasn't the worst pick the Browns made in the 2014 draft. Hell, it wasn't even the worst pick they made in the first round. The Cleveland Browns select Justin Gilbert. Oh back, goodness. Oklahoma State. Fucking who? Whoa, this is deja vu. Yeah, well, it's the NFL Draft once again. And one more time, the Browns are going to make not one, but two garbage picks in the first round that will cripple the franchise for seasons to come. This time, the picks were spicy, not because the players sucked, but because of glaring off-the-field problems that erased any kind of on-field success. Make those money signs with your finger. Actually, don't do that dumb shit, kids. Just strap it up. Time to go to Brownstown.
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
2: Let's get back to the dude bro love for Johnny football. Why was he such a hit with the frat boy crowd? I can't do a better job describing it than Nick Nemeth who wrestles in the WWE as Dolph Ziggler. He's a hill, which in wrestling speak means he's paid to make the crowd hate
3: him. I'm a a big jerk. There are times where I've been in a multi-man match at survivor series with, Five guys on one side and just me on the other. And it just had to just find a way to be scrappy and claw and and, and get my way around. And anytime there's a big match where I'm, I'm the underdog or not supposed to win or no one sees it happening, I'll put either a Browns logo on my pants or my jacket. I got the Brownie doing the Johnny Manziel money fingers thing. The fans
2: who, whether I'm a good guy or not, which is almost never, are behind you. So... Clevelanders see a bit of themselves in Johnny Manziel. You know, undersized, under-respected, scrappy. Except that's not who Johnny was at all. Not really, anyway. See, his family actually came from oil money. He dominated at the high school level, winning the Mr. Texas Football Award his senior season. And he was heavily recruited for college before going to Texas A&M, where he won a Heisman. The
3: 2012 Winner of the Heisman Memorial Trophy
4: is Johnny Manziel.
2: He wasn't a scrappy underdog. He was just short and annoying. And there's a big difference. He was also entitled and had a history in college of, well, a little bit of everything. There was no proof that Manziel received money in exchange for autographs.
3: What did you learn from your arrest this summer? And what were the repercussions that Coach Sumlin implemented for you after that?
2: On Friday night, Manziel was reportedly quickly and harshly removed from a frat party. This dude party too hard. Like Animal House meets Varsity Blues hard. And teams knew it. That's why some teams were keeping him off their draft board entirely. But not the Browns. Not the Cleveland football team. In May of 2014, the Browns had a really, really complicated dynamic in the draft war room. There were three different voices. You already know about Coach Pettin and Jimmy Haslam. But there was also the overmatched general manager, Ray Farmer. Here's Mary Kay Cabot.
4: It was so obvious that Ray Farmer was not ready to be a GM. There's just no way that he was. I wish people could have gotten to Jimmy and D Haslam when they were doing this hiring and said, look, Ray Farmer might have some potential down the road, but he is not ready to be a GM right now, and this is not going to go well. Instead, they thought that he was an up-and-coming guy. That is how we ended up with arguably the worst first round in Cleveland Browns history.
2: Farmer was known as a gritty football man, and he wanted a gritty football man to put in the trenches. His fingerprints were all over the Joel Betonio O-line pick in the second round. Mettin was all in for a defensive weapon. More on that in a little bit. So who's that leave? Jimmy Haslam. He's the one who orchestrated the pick for Manziel. And according to legend, he had an advisor helping him evaluate Johnny football.
0: You remember the story about what made Jimmy finally make that pick? A friendly magical vagrant approached him on the street like a chimney sweep in a musical from the 1960s. He said, hey, governor, as you should pick, you ought to pick a little manzel. He's the one who will take you to the promised land, he will. A shackle for me trouble, or whatever. And so then he picked him, and he actually told people that. That wasn't a good sign. Even if that happens, shut up. Don't tell people that you're placing our fan base's future happiness on the ramblings of a... Treat beggar. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the team, I spent about 30 minutes in his office today and he said, you know what? I was out to dinner recently and a homeless person was out on the street, looked up at me and said, draft Manziel, just like that. It was absurd. But Browns
2: fans were excited about this pick. Chip Donovan was too. Well,
1: I'm going to be honest with you. I was very excited when they drafted him. I really was, and I based it only on one game, and that was when he was at Texas A&M, and they went into Alabama, and Nick Saban had a great team, and he went in there on a Saturday afternoon, and he was incredible that day. He beat Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and I said, wow, this guy is really something. I was very excited when they drafted him, but very concerned two or three days right after they drafted him at what was going on. All this partying, all these pictures of him in a pool on a swan with bottles of champagne, mostly empty. And it was happening every week. And you kind of went, wow, this, you know, it's one thing to celebrate, but this is
2: this is like every week. Now, let's pause for a sec. Johnny was picked number 22. Quick aside, if I had a nickel for every time the Browns traded to 22 To select a quarterback that was an immediate bust, I'd have three nickels, which isn't a lot, but it sure is weird that it happened three times. Anyway, the Browns also entered the draft with the fourth overall pick. And after trading down with the Bills and then dumbfoundingly back up with the Vikings, they ended up with the eighth pick. I don't blame you if you forgot about Mr. Number 8, Justin Gilbert. Basically everyone does because, well, he didn't burn himself out in a cocaine supernova. Athletic draft analyst Dane Brugler, however, does remember.
3: This is really supposed to be the draft that was going to be the foundation of change. They had the fourth overall pick, and instead of drafting a stud pass rusher like you know Khalil Mack was there, they could have drafted a big play weapon like Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans they decided to move back to pick number nine. And that still put them in pretty good shape to get a very good prospect because that 2014 class was just loaded. Instead of staying put at nine and taking Aaron Donald, Odell Beckham, Taylor lewan I mean, there are a lot of good players. They trade up one spot and they get Justin Gilbert, who in no way was a first-round caliber player. His feet were a mess. His technique was terrible. Opened his hips way too early. Struggled to stay in phase. And he really struggled to recover once he was out of position. This very much felt like a Mike Pettin type of pick because he fit the mold of what the coach wanted for the defense. But Gilbert just wasn't a first-round player. If you factor in all the Browns draft picks since they came back in 1999, I think this was the worst draft pick that
2: the Browns made. Let that one sink in. Worst draft pick in Brown's history. We've done two other episodes on Brown's draft bust, and little old Justin Gilbert is the worst. I'm not sure people were as psyched about Gilbert as they were about Manziel, but they were pretty excited for the team at the start of the 2014 season. The NFL is finally back, and there's also finally no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find tickets. TickPick is your best choice to buy football tickets because they save you money by never charging any service fees. I mean, ever. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K, P-I-C-K, got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which let them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. That's right, 110% difference. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for Brownstown and Blue Wire Network. I got to go find some Browns tickets against the Steelers on Monday night to watch the Browns kick their tail. Visit TickPick.com slash Brownstown today and use the promo code Brownstown to save $10 on your first order of NFL tickets. Okay, so the draft is over. But then in August of that year, during preseason, you've heard this one before, but play with me, wide receiver Josh Gordon was suspended for 10 games after violating the NFL's drug policy for a second time. And thus started the era of Browns players being so mind-bendingly troubled off the field, Mary Kay Cabot gave them a nickname.
4: I used to call them the Juvenile Jays. So you had Johnny you had Justin Gilbert and you had Josh Gordon. And not only, you know, did you have the two first round picks that were a huge issue, but then you had, you know, Johnny and Josh connecting with each other on a partying level, okay? And I've never met two guys that could look you straight in the eye and lie to you as as well as those guys did. They were con artists. Look what came out later with, with the whole Josh Gordon. I mean, he, he was so much worse than any of us could have even imagined. And we, we knew that he had problems and issues because he kept getting suspended. But we did not know the depth of his substance abuse problems and the demons that he was dealing with in his life. So the juvenile Jays, that was a very, very difficult period in Cleveland Browns history.
2: In case you were hoping that Johnny Manziel was going to straighten up and fly right once he made the big leagues, huh, I have some bad news for you. He did not.
0: USA Today wrote a story that at the rookie symposium where he was basically so hung over, he, he at a lunch break. He crawled underneath the table and, and took a nap. <laughs> I mean, you know, they had those white tablecloths, so it's kind of down to the floor. So he crawled under one of those and took a nap during the rookie symposium, for God's sakes. And the slide continued right into the regular season.
4: The first minute that they left, that they let them out of training camp for like an hour, uh, he was down at the bar in Berea uh, by himself, you know, sitting at the bar, knocking back some beers or whatever, which, I mean, he's a young guy, but normally, you know, you'd kind of think maybe, okay, get in your playbook a little bit, spend some time with family. He was alone at a bar. They cleaned him up for the pre-draft process and kind of like hid away all those skeletons and all the issues and the problems that were very evident to people that knew him. Uh, So they cleaned him up. They gave him some mentors that kind of helped him out through that time. But all hell broke loose after he was drafted. And he was like, woohoo, the party starts. I'm floating on a swan. I'm photographed in a bathroom with a rolled up $20 bill. And it just escalated to the point where he did show up impaired, two things. I mean, I, re- I remember seeing him and wondering, is he sick? Was he hung over? Was he impaired? It was a really, really strange and dark time. Now,
2: even with all this dysfunction off the field, 11 games into the 2014 season, the Browns were 7-4. and four, And good, maybe. They dropped their next two games, however, and the calls to bench Brian Hoyer grew louder. We wanted Manziel. His first game, it was against Cincinnati,
1: and they were still a little bit on the fringe of being in the playoff hunt. And I can remember some of the Browns' offensive linemen telling me after the game, when he came in the huddle, he didn't even know the plays. And the offensive lineman had to tell him the play and tell the rest of the guys to play in the huddle. That's how ill-prepared he was. I don't think he liked playing at that point because I think he knew he was so far over his head. He had done no work, no homework, no physical conditioning. He wasn't in the playbook. That's dangerous on a Sunday. He threw the ball down
2: the field. Here's Manziel. He's going to take This one. Nothing doing. Kuechly there to nail him out of bounds. Take a listen. And Johnny Manziel is hurt on the far side of the field. He's being looked at right now. The Browns will proceed to lose their remaining three games, ending the season seven and nine. You just heard Johnny football get smeared into the turf against Carolina in his second start. So Brian Hoyer had to come back and start the last game. They didn't have Josh Gordon for that game either because, well, he was suspended for violating team rules. Again, the Browns missed the playoffs like always. And again, they were under 500. This was the 14th losing season in their 16th season since coming back. The 2014 draft and season were so bad, NFL Network's Chris Rose needed therapy. It's beyond jokesville. There are so many moments over the years where you're like, I can't believe I'm still rooting for this team because I keep getting dirt kicked in my face. But you can't quit it. There's nothing that will make you ever quit. Ever. I've worked with a therapist to block out that entire first round of the 2014 draft moving back from four to nine and then trading up to eight and then taking Justin Gilbert and then sitting around and taking Manzel, and I'm good now. It's just amazing when I had to turn it into my medical insurance company and the, you know, they have to figure which category it falls into so that they know how to properly bill you. And it's, manzel on swan box which i don't think they'd ever seen that before they don't know how to run that with the deductible oh and i didn't forget about justin gilbert he barely played in 2014 he had two starts and one pick it'd be the only interception of his career he honestly didn't really have any drug problems in cleveland the only problem he had he couldn't find his way from the bench to the field he'd be cut in 2016 just two years after being taken in the top 10 and would sign with Pittsburgh for just one season. In 2017, as a free agent, Gilbert was suspended four games for a failed drug test in May, and then for a whole season after a second violation a month later.
0: He hasn't played since. Well, I think the fact that they did not know the background on Justin Gilbert is unforgivable. Their job is to have the information and make an informed decision. And that was a gargantuan mistake. That could have been said for
2: everyone. Ray Farmer, Mike Pettin, and Jimmy Haslam all messed up big time in 2014. And in 15, things wouldn't get better. It all started in January.
0: Troubled Cleveland Browns wide receiver Josh Gordon will not play football in 2015 after the NFL on Tuesday announced a ban of at least one year.
2: And got worse in February. Cleveland Browns quarterback Johnny
1: Manziel came into the league with all kinds of hype. But after a rocky first season, notable more for his partying than his playing, Manziel has checked himself into rehab. It continued at April's draft. With the 12th pick in the 2015 NFL
2: draft, the Cleveland Browns select Danny Shelton. Defensive tackle, Washington. And culminated in a football season much worse than 2014. Maybe one of our worst. Josh McCown
0: here. Can't find anybody scrambling. Going to try to do his best. John Elway. Ooh, in the Super Bowl oh, 18 it was years John ago. Elway
2: uh, right? impression, yes. Except uh, he lost the ball. Um, and, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and he was and hurt on the play. Concussion for Josh McCown as a result of this play. Without Brian Hoyer to drag the team to respectability, the Browns went three and thirteen behind a combo of journeymen named Josh McCown, Johnny Manziel, and some dude named Austin Davis. At the end of the season, Mike Pettine and Ray Farmer would be fired, which brings us all the way back to episode one, rock bottom, 2016 and 17, one and fifteen
0: and zero and sixteen, and this guy. I think, uh, bottom line, let's just be clear. I mean, we didn't win enough. You know, at the end of the day, when you look at it, we didn't win enough games. But this damn thing's not over. I'm not getting out of here
2: without giving you some hope. Next episode of Brownstown, we're skipping ahead to when this team starts to finally fucking win.
1: It's my pleasure to introduce the 17th head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Freddie Kitchens.
2: But first, as always, we have one last blunder. That's next time on Brownstown. Brownstown is hosted and reported by me, Andre Knott. Produced and written by Harry Swartout and Peter Moses. Edited by Isabel Jocelyn. Music by Brian Decker. Production coordination by Devin Shepard. And production assistance by Miriam Khan, Michael Ehrlich, Shwepa Surindran, and Zach Jackson. Brownstown is a Blue Wire podcast and executive produced by
4: Peter Moses and John Yells. See you next time.